This is The Hidden Why Podcast, episode 934, my interview with Dr. Leah Lagos, discussing her new book, Heart, Breath, Mind. Enjoy the show. Dr. Leah, welcome to The Hidden Why Podcast. Great to have you here. Oh, thank you. Great to be here. You're, um, yeah, interesting. I've just uh, been browsing through your website here and uh, certainly been looking forward to this conversation. I think a lot of people could benefit from what we're about to talk about. So optimizing health and performance. Um, you're a clinical psychologist um, and you've got many strategies around mm-hmm. you know, improving mood, reducing anxiety, uh, enhancing our focus and um, helping us build a bit more resilience. So I don't know where to begin with all this, but what's your backstory there, <laughs> Leah? Backstory is a long, long time ago. I was a little girl in sports as as little girls try sports and try it for different reasons. For me, I was so tall and yeah. it gave me so much confidence. And it was a time in my life I, I felt like I had control over my body. Did you and say it gave you a lot of confidence being tall? A lot of confidence. And and so I knew with the one thing in life I knew from the age of six and beyond was I wanted to be a sports psychologist. And I would yeah. run around telling people that, yeah, little little girl, six and Crazy, seven years huh? old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and lo and behold, here we are. The integration of HRV biofeedback became my specialty in my graduate school training. The athletes wanted what's, something what's HRV? that was heart rate variability. Okay. HRV and, biofeedback. Correct. And athletes were coming in saying, you know, I, I really need to be able to manage my anxiety in the moment. I, I need something that's effective that helps me perform during those challenging moments. But I only have a certain amount of time <laughs> to, to mm. work on this. And, and I need something that is effective and, and can be, you know, rather short term in terms of change. What can you give me? <laughs> so I guess this is a short amount of time based on you know, you're in the game, you're about to start. So you only have a little bit of time to try and get That's your right. anxiety in, in, in check. That's right. So we think of things like cognitive strategies, and I'm a clinical psychologist by trade, so I firmly believe in them. But positive self-talk, uh, you know, re- cognitive reframing, these can take months, if not years. And mm. having physiological control over your heart rhythms and your autonomic nervous system takes two months. And it's a skill you can have for the rest of your life. So there is something just really beautiful about being able to say to athletes, here's the timeline, it's effective, would you like to try? <laughs> so what, two then, months to learn the strategies is what you're saying, not to, is that what it is? Correct. Yeah. Correct. And meeting once per week in my office and doing the breathing 20 minutes twice per day. I do have a book coming out that describes strategies that you can use if you can't get to my office. And, and I know you're taping out of Australia, so the flight would be rather long. <laughs> um, well, you but, won't be so able to they, get there at the moment, will we? <laughs> Correct. And so I, I wrote this for people that can't get to my office but still want to benefit from the strategies. Yeah. And it's a 10-week process, breathing 20 minutes twice per day at a specific rate and learning to actually gain control over how your heart responds to stress. Is this like some sort of meditation then? Or it seems a bit... Well, it's a- It's a good question. Meditation has some benefits, but it can take years to get to the place you can get to in 10 weeks with heart rate body biofeedback training. And and so that's specifically what I outline in this book is one of the points is 
Why is this different than meditation? And what's the science behind it? What is the science behind it? Let's go into that because um, I'm very interested in meditation generally and I, I haven't been keeping my practice up over the recent months, which is kind of disappointing, but I'm okay with that. Um, and breathing exercise, I've, I've heard a lot about, you know, certain breathing techniques and, you know, one that I started was getting up in the morning and just taking 10 really deep breaths in and out um, just to get the body going. But, um, yeah, where do we start with your... What do you call it, HIV biofeedback? Is that what it is or what, what's the practice called? Yeah, the scientific terminology just for the breathing part is heart mm. rate variability biofeedback. The okay. part, my book integrates some of the heart rate variability biofeedback principles and also integrates some of the specific cognitive and performance strategies that I use in conjunction with my Olympians and the business elite to optimize performance. So I do both of those simultaneously. So you work so, with sports people and and business people, CEOs and things like that? Yeah, exactly. Fascinating, okay. Thank you, and so meditation is beautiful, it's wonderful, it's, it's really effective for a lot of people to slow down the chatter of their mind. Mm. And, and beautiful. HRV has some of those benefits, but the larger benefit with HRV biofeedback training is that you can let go of the feeling of stress in your body on demand. You can actually physically train your heart to release and let go when you need to. So hmm. a few examples, you've had a meeting, it dysregulates you, people were loud, maybe they were obnoxious, maybe they were adversarial. And you have an important meeting in five minutes after and you need to be able to quickly pivot and shift your emotions to let go of the negative and shift into maybe a clear, confident state because you're leading the next meeting. So that ability rests in your body, not in your mind. Mm. And, and when we can actually control our heart rhythms, and particularly the deceleration of our heart rhythm on the exhale, we can physiologically let go. And it is so much more potent than trying to do cognitive strategies, self-talk, visualization, those don't adjust how you're actually feeling in your body. So the power 10 that you are describing is beautiful. But the difference with breathing 20 minutes twice a day for 10 weeks is you actually strengthen what's called the barrier reflex in the autonomic nervous system. The what? The barrier you, reflex? Yes. The barrow, B-A-R-O, yes, reflex. And the barrow reflex controls heart rate and blood pressure. So the more control you have over the barrow reflex, the the more control you have over your blood pressure and heart rate. It's tighter hmm. physiological regulation. And as you breathe at this rate, approximately four seconds inhale, six seconds exhale, 20 minutes twice a day, 10 weeks, it measurably strengthens the barrier reflex so that you have tighter control and can let how, go faster. How does it strengthen it? Like, is that just like we're just focusing on a muscle and is that something to do with just the, the controlled four seconds in, six seconds out sort of breathing technique that you mentioned? Yeah. So researchers, the Vashilos and Dr. Paul Lear at Rutgers have studied this phenomenon um, and they call it resonance frequency, that each person has a resonance frequency that elicits a, a frequency in the heart and throughout the autonomic nervous system that strengthens the bare reflex. And generally it's about a four second inhale, six second exhale, but it can be slightly different per person. And so if you can go to a certified biofeedback practitioner, they'll help you find your individual frequency to really as potently elicit 
that resonance in the body. But if yeah. not, if you don't have access to that person, the general four in, six out also is beneficial. Okay. So to do this practice, um, how do you recommend we, we start uh, for someone like myself who's never done a 20-minute session of breathing? Yes. Sounds a little bit daunting almost, you know, like sitting there for 20 <laughs> minutes and breathing. Like, I know. The imagine effect- the, it's uh, the same with meditation, I guess. You could just have the distractions but I think with meditation at least you're sort of putting yourself into you know at least closing your eyes or half closing your eyes but with breathing do we do that as well or do we just sit there and look at the wall so what I recommend one is ordering my book heart breath mind which is available via Amazon I'll stick the link in the show notes guys so yep yeah heart breath mind by Dr. Leah Lagos and and uh, for people in the U.S., it's in, available via um, most uh, major book retailers. Um, it's it's on sale in the U.K. and also Australia. Um, and but Amazon is a, a real easy way to get it. So it describes the process, ten yeah. weeks, what you're doing during those ten weeks, scientifically why you're doing it, and gives you specific exercises. The first step after ordering the book and in having the structure of the program in front of you is to download a pacer to your phone, a breath pacer. And you can go to apps on your iPhone or Android and just type in breath pacer. And it will give you a list of pacers that you can set to that magical four second inhale, six second exhale. How does that work? Does that just time you or something? Yeah, it just times you. So there are different ones. There's one called breathe plus another called awesome breathing. They have different pacers, whether it's a little bar that goes up and down the screen or a circle that contracts uh, and expands. And, and so it doesn't beep at you every four seconds or six seconds. Yeah. It just. Yeah. And that's actually an important point. There is a way for many of these apps to use sound. Don't. Um, it's distracting. It's better mm. to turn the sound that's off. Yeah. And, and some people who are previous meditators want to close their eyes and I say don't cut yourself short when you look at the pacer 20 minutes twice a day while breathing which is optimizing blood flow and oxygen to the brain you are also training attention so it's a two for one you don't want to miss out on that piece <laughs> yeah well, it's, it seems like a much more way a, a, a better way to focus the attention because what I find in meditation at least is is the mind wanders so much but I guess if you're looking at something on your screen, maybe that helps you stay tuned into that, you know, that focus. Yeah, and, and the thing is, it doesn't matter for this if your mind wanders. Okay. What you're doing is strengthening the heart, which is a muscle, and you're exercising it, breathing at a certain rate that strengthens the barrow reflex. And so if your mind wanders, it doesn't matter. This will still benefit you. And in the same way, it's the breathing at resonance frequency that matters. We're we're not so worried here about clearing the mind the entire time you do it. In fact, if you try and clear your mind for twenty minutes, it'll make you anxious because it's very difficult to do. Even I couldn't people- imagine, but like sitting there watching that that breath app or whatever it might be for the mind wandering. Like I think, yeah, maybe it does. I'll have to give it a try. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have my program Heart Breath Mind um, on an app called Elite HRV. Mm-hmm. And the app itself is free. Elite HRV sells a device called CoreSense that you can purchase to track your heart rate variability on your cell phone. So it's a little, it's a little device that measures at your fingertips so that you can see your heart rhythms while you're doing it. 
Um, you don't have to, to, to make this process effective, but some people really get into it and love to have that data. And then they're measuring their HRV all throughout this process so they can see the measurable changes that are happening as they breathe each week. Okay. What, what's, what's the problem with just normal breathing every day? It doesn't produce the letting go. So when we strengthen the barrier reflex, and it happens generally at week four, reflex, yeah. the systematic practice of the 20 minutes twice a day for four weeks leads to measurable gains in the barrier reflex, which controls heart rate and blood pressure. So tighter, measurable, tighter physiological regulation. And so what happens is that during moments of stress, you're less reactive from the heart and you recover faster. And this is happening all the time throughout the day. The heart is a muscle and essentially you're, you've taught your muscle to have tighter control. It's really interesting because it also leads to improved energy. Think about it. You're not having these heavy reactions and you can let go faster. So, so what, my- what's the link between the mind and the heart when you get those moments of anxiety or whatever and that then producing that high well distress i suppose what is the link there like is it the heart that controls the the anxiety or is it is it a mind thing is it a psychology thing yeah it's a it's a great question i posit that it's physiological first mental second so if your heart reacts strongly to a stressor you quickly accelerate from 80 to 150 and then you hang out at 150 for a moment after the stressor, guess what? You're, you're in a sustained state of hypervigilance. And this has happened to athletes. I've measured it with tracking their heart rhythms, let's say, after a golf shot. Hmm. And before this process, you see this steep acceleration before the golf shot. And then after the golf shot, guess what happens? It keeps accelerating. Their heart rate keeps going up. Why? They're looking at the shot, replaying it in their mind and negatively evaluating. They can't let go. And what's really interesting is after this 10 week of training, you see that the acceleration before the shot is not as steep. And then instead of the acceleration after the shot, you see the heart rate return to normal. Hmm. And so it shows the, the stark difference in your physiology in responding to stress before and after this training. Kind of interesting and a different way to think about stress management from the body as, as opposed to the mind. So physiological first before psychological. Yeah. And so think about that. That seems odd to me, but because I, I just imagine if you're going up to take that golf shot, surely it's your, your mind that's triggering that, that heart rate palpitations going faster. No, no, no. That's really? actually incorrect. So there, you have, and there's a lot of literature on it, hmm. autonomic nervous system appraisal. And for, for most people, and it's part of our evolutionary adaptation system, we are constantly appraising, even at, not at a cognitive level, but our autonomic nervous system is constantly appraising whether we're safe. When we right. don't feel safe, we go into sympathetic activation, which triggers a fight-or-flight response. And so that's oftentimes why you see, let's say, a PGA Tour golfer do amazing in practice. He's safe. No one's watching. There's no million-dollar person on the line. And then you go to the Masters, and you wonder what happened to all the practice and training. He can't control his heart rhythms. His whole body is in a state of fight or flight as if he's trying to survive. And if you can't shut that off, all of the self-talk in the world that's positive and beautiful won't help you regain your performance. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know we uh, we often fumble when we're on, on stage or, you know, 
taking wow. that, that shot. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, cool. So we need to really, yeah, work on this this whole heart thing. Um, so you're saying with this practice, people that have um, these moments where uh, potentially they would normally have an influx of, of anxiety and pressure, um, yeah. that just naturally then puts them into a more relaxed state or is it something they still have to go, hang on, this? I'm coming up to this situation, I need to sort of focus on my breaths or is it sort of more of a an automatic thing that we've created? Yeah, I love that question and you're really getting into the heart of this, which is beautiful, which is that this is a, this has a kind of two levels of benefits, okay? You can use the breathing exercises that I've written about in my book on an ad hoc basis, meaning okay. it's effective for controlling your reactivity in the moment or controlling your reactivity prior to the stressor or recovering more quickly, but you have to activate the breathing sequence in the moment. But the really beautiful benefit of going through the 20 minutes twice a day is you develop a reflex, which is that your parasympathetic nervous system starts to kick in on its own when you go into that previous mm. state of fight or flight to help you regain balance. And that's happening automatically, even without the activation. You've trained it. So that's where people say, it's amazing. I can just let go of stress more easily and I'm not doing anything. It's just like like stress doesn't cause the same level of irritability and I can let go of it faster. And so your studies have shown after a couple of months of doing these breathing activities, people that have typically shown signs of that heightened stress or anxiety in situations automatically have less of that. Yeah. So this heart rate variability, thank you. Heart rate variability biofeedback was originally used with clinical populations, people with anxiety, PTSD. Early in my career, I had... How long has it been around for? It's been around for about 30 years. Okay. Heart rate variability became a metric of interest in the 1950s. Hahn and Lee were the kind of pioneers, and they used HRV as a predictor of whether a fetus, an unborn baby, was healthy. Hmm. There was high correlation between this number of heart rate variability and whether the child would be born healthy. Then the next iteration of research was with actual human beings, live, older adults, and they found strong correlations between heart rate variability and things like myocardial infarction and even longevity. And hmm. the, sub, the third tier are um, people in my cohort who have come along and said, well, what about peak performers, people that are already performing well in life and want to advance how well they're performing? Can heart rate variability provide any utility for them? And my yeah. answer is yes. How does it how does it help health and longevity? That's I mean, I guess if I'm less stressed in life, maybe I'll live longer. <laughs> that makes sense. I'm quite anxious myself. Um, so this is this is quite fascinating to me. I, I certainly deal with anxiety, um, and and I'm a future thinker, you know. So that's probably related as well. But how does it? Um, yeah, what, what's the link there between health health and heart rate variability? Yeah, so there's so many different ways and kind of spokes to the wheel, and I'll highlight a few. Yeah. And if there's any of it specific interests to you, we'll dive even deeper. But higher heart rate variability has been associated with greater heart health. And heart rate variability is essentially an index of how flexibly your body can respond to stress. And it's not just relaxation. It's the ability to flexibly respond, meaning amp up and then let go or just let go. So that could be an acceleration or a deceleration. Secondly, that 
people who have higher heart rate variability have notoriously better moods and less anxiety. The third interesting piece is that when people go through this process, their baseline heart rate, mean, meaning your heart rate as you just sit in my office and do nothing, tends to drop five to 10 beats at baseline. Think about that for a minute. If your baseline heart rate is five to 10 beats lower and all you're doing is breathing to get there, your heart has to work less hard for the same outcome. Hmm. And compounding that over minutes, hours, days, months, years. And what's so interesting is my clients feel it and they'll say to me, you know, I, I'm walking the same distance and when I used to get tired at mile three, I'm just not tired anymore. My Olympians are saying the same thing in their training. Doc, what's up? My training hasn't changed, but I don't get tired. It wasn't until I had a 12-year-old runner come to me and say, you know, I've always been a three-mile runner. I just ran my first five-mile race and I wasn't tired. Mm. <laughs> that I went to the researchers and asked why. And what's really fascinating is that they have a postulate or a hypothesis that there's a second wind effect that essentially by breathing at your resonant frequency and retraining your heart rhythms, how you respond to stress and pressure to be more tightly regulated, you also send more blood and oxygen flow to the brain and the muscles. They don't get tired as quickly and, and you're able to have greater levels of energy and, and also um, just physical endurance. So in a, in a physical situation, let's say if you're a runner and you, you do this practice and then in a few months you, you go for a run again, does that mean your heart um, rate level actually decreases even though you're still exerting the heart from previous running experiences? Does that make sense, that question? You mean while you're actually running? Yeah, so when I go running, obviously my heart's pumping away yeah. you know, mega fast. Yeah. With this so, practice, would that sort of lower then? The way it, what it lowers is it reduces. So as a runner, you want tighter modulations. You're conserving your energy. And a runner who may have, you know, a heart rate variability um, that's very high while running, you actually want it to be lower while running. Mm. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. it's getting tighter. So you'll see the heart rate variability while running getting lower, but the heart rate variability at baseline while sitting getting higher. Does that make sense? Okay, yep. Uh, yeah, I think so. Good. So that that then the lower heart rate while running, what we're we're allowing that oxygen to to flow into the blood um, more gracefully, I suppose, than it otherwise would, to allow the the muscles in the brain to to function better. Yes. So the oxygen and blood flow start to increase around week seven of the systematic practice, 20 minutes twice a day. And what's really amazing is that we're starting to see that this can even have an impact on people who have concussions, concussions that don't otherwise heal. And there's a host of them. It's called refractory post-concussion syndrome. Mm. Essentially, people that are hit in the head don't just have an injury to the brain. They have an injury to the autonomic nervous system where the parasympathetic nervous system, the flow state becomes underactive and the sympathetic nervous system becomes overactive. And it's just kind of in that place and it can't recorrect to get aligned. And so when we're able to increase that alignment, we're, we're able to start seeing, seeing the natural healing process begin. 
and a host of brain-oriented benefits that suggest more blood flow and oxygen to particularly the prefrontal lobe. It's really astounding to think breathing 20 minutes twice a day at a specific frequency can not only improve your energy, your endurance, your focus, your mood, but also heal your brain. Yeah, I love it. The, um, I suppose the practice itself, I mean, it doesn't sound too complicated, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm assuming there's some object- objections you face and, and some some challenges for people to actually put aside twice a day, 20 minutes. Like what, what do you find are the objections of this practice or the, the hurdles? <laughs> yeah, that's the most common response. I have to do what? <laughs> yeah. And- well, I just know from meditating, like, you know, find it, not finding the 15 minutes, but actually to sit still for me is very difficult. So to do that twice a day for 20 minutes. Yeah. Absolutely. And so for, People that feel that 20 minutes twice a day in the beginning is too much, we do an onboarding option where we, we, they commit and we commit together to 10 minutes twice a day, once in the morning when they wake up and once in the evening before bed. And then they gradually bump it up five minutes more to 15 minutes twice a day at week two, getting to that full, beautiful 20 minutes twice a day by week three. By week three, the 20 minutes doesn't feel so long People are more used to sitting and they're also used to the beautiful benefits that happen when they're when they have completed their breathing. So the breathing process and the time you spend doing it, believe it or not, becomes self-reinforcing. So it doesn't sound and or feel so cumbersome to make that investment of time. It's like starting anything, isn't it? I guess. It is. And and look, there's nothing Nothing in life that I, I think is really quality that doesn't take some good steady commitment and time. Yeah. I will say for my clients, they have made this my specialty by their by by their needs and desires, sending me their family and friends because the process is so effective and life changing for many. That ability to let go on demand and being able to pivot your emotions from a negative mood state to a positive one is is really profound and life-changing for a lot of people yeah absolutely i've got to give it a go i think um yeah again sitting there for 20 minutes will be the the original challenge but um in practice i I suppose you'd get better do you find that there's you know like because most people would say well i'd be better off doing 20 minutes of exercise wouldn't i than sitting around focusing on my breath but i guess the longer term benefits of this practice is probably more more beneficial than a 20 minute run or yoga exercise or something maybe that could be highly argued you know the difference is you're not creating a reflex that kicks in on its own to modulate your stress so you can take yoga you could do a run and those are all awesome and activities i personally engage in myself too yeah but this is really developing a reflex that allows you to let go without any conscious intervention yeah And, and that is that is a powerful tool yeah, and that'll probably benefit the yoga and the running and all those other practices anyway <laughs> over term. What do you keep practicing then this yourself, like longer term? I mean, do we just do two months and then we're good or do we just keep going? Yeah, after two months, I would say you you need to do some type of practice just like any other muscle. You have to You have to practice to maintain it, but you don't have to practice with the same intensity you started. What so does your you practice walk- look like? I, I still do this 20 minutes twice a day. Yeah, okay. uh, but, yep, and uh, my family does it. I have I have a daughter who takes her HRV in the morning by her own desire. This is not mommy impressing it on her, but she loves sure. the number that she feels <laughs> in control of. 
and cool. and um, the the twenty minutes. It's it's so interesting. It's it sounds like a cumbersome num- number, but it's an investment in yourself and that reflex that you develop starts at week four and you never want to go back because it is such a stark difference between when before you started and after okay awesome look i know you've got to run um the book for everyone listening is available on amazon heart rate variability hrv is it just the title hrv biofeedback or no it's called heart breath mind heart breath mind i'll stick the link in the show notes for everyone listening uh, so much and um apps there i mean do you have a favorite app or is there like yeah my my favorite app is elite hrv and and the program that i developed um it allows you to have feedback real time and gives you structure as to your training for the most effective outcome yeah nice all right well look guys check it out it sounds interesting um dr leah appreciate you coming on the show thank you so much have a great day Guys, the uh, show notes will be there at thehiddenwire.com. Until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I hope you love what you're hearing. If you like this episode, guys, or any of the episodes that you're listening to here at The Hidden Why, please do me a favor by sharing it. You can share it with your families. You can share it with your loved ones. You can do that by using your favorite social media channels using the icons on the platform that you're listening to The Hidden Why podcast. Also, guys, if you're a fan of the show, please connect with me. Connect with me at thehiddenwide.com. I love to hear from you. I love to converse with the people that listen to this show to find out what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, and perhaps if they have any questions or feedback for the show as well. You can stay up to date with all that I'm releasing here, guys. I do a solo show every Monday, a three-minute thought every Thursday. I do two interviews a week on a Wednesday and a Saturday, and a book review every Friday. You can stay up to date with all that by subscribing to my newsletter at thehiddenwire.com. Just enter your email address there, and also subscribing to the podcast on the platform that you choose to listen to your podcast. You can also support the show, guys, by using the Amazon links at thehiddenwire.com. So if you like books, you can get all the books that I review there um, and anything else, really, that you like to purchase through Amazon. So use that link. It helps support the show. And we've also got a deal with Audible, guys. Audible is a fantastic way to listen to all your favorite books. We've got a deal with them so you can get two free books when you subscribe or, yeah, subscribe to a 30-day free trial. So check that out, again, at thehiddenwire.com. Guys, that's it from me. You know what to do. Go out there. Breathe more passion into every single moment. Do everything with greater purpose and in doing so you will discover your hidden why this is the hidden why my name is lee martin until next time peace passion and purpose see you soon